Hey guys, we just want to take a second before uh, this episode begins to let you know that we will be talking about some sensitive slash physical things during this uh, episode. So if you're listening with kids, uh, nothing graphic, but we just wanted to give you a heads up so that you could make a decision, uh, informed decision about whether you wanted to uh, listen to this without your kids. Thanks for listening. Welcome to Beyond a Parent, the podcast for Christians seeking clarity for parenting in a confusing world. I'm Chuck Mead. I'm Jeremy Autry. And man, Jeremy, we've been out for a couple weeks and well, maybe like one week and we've got our new, um, our new, uh, hardware here. Uh, yeah, Pastor Chuck went on vacation and then he came back with a whole new setup in our recording studio. So... If our audio has been rough the past few weeks, we apologize. We should be good now. What would you say, Jeremy? Yeah, I would say for those of you who could stomach the poor audio for the last uh, few episodes and are still here, the 12 of you that are still listening, cheers. Uh, <laughs> welcome back. And um, sorry about that. We're, we are very much not professionals and have no idea what we're doing. We're not. But hey, we're here. We have coffee. Where's our coffee from uh, yeah, today, Jeremy? Uh, we have coffee from... A local joint, if you're from the Dunn area, it's called Inspirational Grounds. Uh, it's pretty great. And I'm, I'm drinking a flat white, low calorie, trying to be healthier, no sweeteners. Oh, You'd man. be very proud of me. I didn't do that at all, but it yeah. is very inspirational. You're not 46 and have a spare tire. Sorry about that. Um, so anyways, time to time we get people asking us, hey, would you cover this subject? Would you cover this topic in the podcast? And one that was requested right from the beginning was, can you talk about teen dating relationships and encourage, how to encourage parents going through that season of life? What a minefield, right? <sighs> what a minefield. So um, just to reiterate, of course, this is going to look different in every household, uh, even for Christians. Uh, we're not here saying this is the exact age that things should happen. This is the exact way that you should handle things. We just want to take a look biblically at the concept, the the idea of marriage, and discuss uh, some biblical implications and some biblical uh, parameters that we could put around dating. It's very clear that our world has a view of dating and relationships that is not in line with scripture. So the way the world defines dating would really could be wrapped up in self-fulfillment, right? Jeremy, it's all about you, your needs, what's going to make you happy, kind of along that, those lines. Uh, yeah, and it's very, the world's idea, the, the culture around us, the idea of dating, it's very much consumerism. It's, hey, mm -hmm. what's going to be fun for me, what's going to be good for me, and what is going to meet needs, like you said. And mm -hmm. I put that word in uh, air quotes because they're not real needs. We just uh, think of them that way. Yeah. Most of the time you're 
uh, watching a TV show, watching a movie, and it portrays a relationship, a dating relationship, and it's usually just going to be wrapped up in, I'm attracted to this person, they make me feel good, and almost always it's going to be immediately tied to fulfilling sexual desire, and that's what the relationship is all about. Yep, and not to paint every... Every piece of media that we watch as, you know, this completely dark thing, obviously, here's this couple, they enjoy being together, they enjoy spending time together. This is a recreational activity for them. They matter to each other. Also caught up in that is this um, sexual intimacy aspect um, that is definitely unbiblical. Yeah. And so what would... If we could just immediately attack, not attack, that sounds pretty hostile, but just (laughs) combat that view of the world and especially how they view um, intimacy within the dating relationship, what would we go to? Yeah, so the danger is us thinking that these sexual desires that uh, humans experience equal in need. And what Scripture says in 1 Corinthians 6.13 is food is for the stomach and the stomach is for food, but God will destroy both and them. Now, the body is not for sexual immorality, but for the Lord and the Lord for the body. Here's The concept is we all get hungry and that's a need and your stomach is for fulfilling that need. But your body isn't for fulfilling, again, air quotes, the need of a sexual desire. Yeah. And so the reason we bring that up is because most of the times that's what you're going to see when people talk about, I'm in this relationship, it's immediately going to go to fulfilling sexual desire or emotional desire and consider those things needs when really according to scripture that we know is it's not needs. So if we could kind of define dating, our working definition of dating. Now, Jeremy, I'm sure there's a passage, I'm sure there's a chapter and verse where God says, here is exactly how to date, and that's so normal, right? If if you're listening to this and you know that verse, will you please contact Chuck and I and let us know where it is, because we're not aware of it. In fact, um, we were discussing this, and every romantic situation that we find in the Bible is either talking about a marriage that already exists or a relationship that's heading toward marriage. Well, every healthy, Mm -hmm. God-honoring romantic relationship. We kind of get a peek at what God had in mind for people of the opposite sex, people of the two different genders. As they come together and spend time together, um, they're thinking and working toward marriage. So some people are going to use different terminology. We understand this. So some people use the term courting. Courting, Ah, That's fun. Um, A lot of people will start, I guess there's this different phase where it starts off as just talking. So we're we're not dating. We're just talking. Then you get to some old school phrases, going together, going steady. Yeah. Do people still say that? When I was in middle school, it was definitely we're going together. I don't know where we were going. That's just what we said. We're going together. Yeah. Yeah. Going steady. I think that's what my grandma said. It's like going steady, going together. When I was in middle school, it was going out. We're going out. Even though we weren't allowed to go anywhere alone. (laughs) We're going out, even though we just saw each other in the hallway at school and pass notes to each other. Really, we've got to start by saying the purpose of dating. So our our working definition is that the the purpose of dating is to get to know someone in a God-honoring, God-glorified way to see if you are compatible for marriage. Yeah, um, and that doesn't mean that we think, hey, every time that two teenagers of the opposite sex are getting together, that should be the 
the conversation, the thought process, the big elephant in the room that we're sitting down to, to have a meal and we're thinking, hey, is this my spouse? But the, the practice of dating for the individual, the whole process should be I'm moving from being a single person towards considering, I mean, considering marriage and the dating is part of that process. And we, it's so important that parents of adolescents and of, especially of teenagers can make this distinction because your kid at a young age is going to be interested in someone. They're going to have a crush on someone. They're going to be attracted to someone and they're going to have friendships with those of the opposite sex, but that's not the same as dating. So we've got to understand just because somebody is um, has an interest, your kid, your 12-year-old kid has a crush on someone does not mean they're in a committed dating relationship with someone they like. Yeah, so our culture around us it seems to push toward that, mm-hmm. that even at a young age, these relationships are just between these two people. They're very committed, almost like they're married in middle school so that our teenagers get to practice a divorce even in middle school. This relationship becomes so important. Everybody's telling them how important it is. They pour their lives into it. And then when it's over, like it 98% of the time will be, they experience the death of what seemed like this very important relationship. It may seem cute and adorable when your kid is three years old and it's like, oh, this is their little friend. We've got to be careful not to adopt the world's way of thinking that can really stick with our kid from a young age into middle and high school where we treat their relationships with others and ones that they may have a crush on or be attracted to in the same sense of an adult who's in a serious dating relationship heading towards marriage. Yeah. We've yeah. got to draw those lines. So the same by the same token, on the other end of the spectrum with our culture's view of dating, we don't want to teach our kids that you should be dating a lot of different people and it should just be this recreational thing from a young age. So they carry that mindset into adulthood um, because that's not a healthy thing either. You know, the hookup culture that goes along with young, well, really uh, teen culture, young adult, Mm -hmm. college age that comes from that's born in these younger adolescents and even preteens having multiple relationships that have a romantic element with a lot of different people. Yeah. So if we're going with that definition, really, that just dating has the purpose or the intention of marriage, then that implies that if you're not ready or close to ready for marriage, then it's most likely wise to avoid dating in that moment. And that's not just for kids and teenagers. That goes even for adults. If we're not in a, if there's a single adult who is not ready to get married, has, has no intention of getting married, then it's not wise for them to enter into romantic dating relationships with someone, again, as followers of Jesus, if marriage is at least not the intention, potential intent. Uh, right. Result of that yeah. relationship. If it's if it's not even a consideration, of course we're speaking hypothetically. Um, if marriage is not even a consideration now, and and not even at view on the horizon, I don't ever see myself working toward marriage. Then what is the purpose of dating? Why would you have a dating relationship if you were never 
headed towards that. So until that is kind of on the horizon, someone is seeing, hey, one day this is something I'm working toward. Um, once that's on the horizon, then dating starts to make sense. And so if the ultimate purpose of dating is to see if you're compatible for marriage, then it's very important we see what is the biblical definition of marriage. If this is the goal, this is the the intention of this relationship down the road, what, Jeremy, would be the biblical definition of marriage? The, the biblical definition of marriage, we look at Ephesians five twenty five through 29. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word, that he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. So husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies, and he who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourisheth, nourishes it and cherishes it, just as the Lord does the church. The concept is that marriage between one man and one woman is a picture of the gospel to the world, an opportunity to show what God's love for his uh, church, for his people, looks like through that illustration of marriage. Yeah, and I think you could go... Even starting all the way back, that is the most the most clear definition when it's specifically addressing husbands in particular, but husbands and wives. But going back to the very beginning in Genesis 1, God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Genesis 1, 27, 28, male and female, he created them. <clears throat> so then God blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth. Then he even gives more specific direction towards the first marriage of Adam and Eve in Genesis 2.24, where he says, a man shall, therefore shall a man leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife and they shall become one flesh. So what we see through in Genesis and all through the Bible, we see that marriage is good. It's a good gift from God. It's meant to be monogamous. Okay. Um, Polygamy, you're going to see in the Old Testament. You're like, what is happening? Never, never do you see that endorsed by God. It was never God's intention. Marriage brings companionship. It's about procreation. Um, It's meant to be permanent. It involves a man and woman with different roles, but equal in value. Um, Jeremy, anything you want to add to the biblical definition, or do we want to jump in to see how does this counter with the world's Um, view of marriage? Just one thing, one concept to add to that, that marriage is not the be-all, end-all of our purpose Um, There's nothing in scripture that says if you're not married, then you're less than or that you aren't, you know, fulfilling your purpose as a human or that you're letting God down or or that you can't be completely fulfilled in every area of your life, which also uh, harkens back to the concept that our sexual desires don't constitute a need. Uh, My God shall supply all of your needs. He can do that for single people, too, because this isn't. A need. Yeah. And Paul says, directly address addresses singleness and says, I wish more of you would be single like me. And he talks about the gift of singleness. And I think that can be misinterpreted. Some people say, oh, some certain people have a gift of that they don't desire to get married. And that's a unique spiritual gift from God of singleness, which, but I would more view that Paul is saying singleness is a gift. Marriage is a gift. Whatever you are, single or married, use it for the glory of God. Because it is whatever our entire existence is to glorify God with their lives. There are people who can glorify God in their marriages. There's also people who can glorify God in being single. So marriage is not the be-all, end-all of life. Right. Very important. Obviously, we could spend 
multiple episodes just talking about how distorted the world views marriage. But, but I was thinking about this, Jeremy, in most romantic comedies or just any happy romantic or, or just, just a family movie. So many, if they end with a happy ending, almost always do we see it ending with a wedding scene, right? Right. Like our culture loves beautiful weddings. They love a a good love story where they live happily ever after. Like our culture sees this is a good thing, and that was designed ultimately by God. And we see this not not just in movies. Mm -hmm. Obviously, Chuck and I are both ministers, and we get to to perform weddings and I'm seeing it in weddings, mm-hmm. you know, and, uh, um, it's getting grander and bigger. The, the actual ceremony itself is getting bigger and grander. And the celebration after is getting bigger and grander. We love as a culture to spend lots of money and time planning these big elaborate weddings because we love that. Yeah. And so we see that, but when you really get into a lot of the world's view of marriage, and they'll talk about it's, fi- it's finding your soulmate, it's all about your, again, it's same thing we talked about the world's view of dating, it's all about your personal happiness, who makes you happy, it's about your feelings. And so a lot of times when those marriages, according to the culture, again, not rooted in scripture, when you're not happy anymore in that marriage, it's time to look for someone else who can make you happy. We see uh, marriages much the way we discussed dating. We Mm -hmm. see it as temporary. We see it as as long as it's meeting my needs, as long as it's making me happy, as long as I'm enjoying this and don't see any greener uh, grass on the other side of the fence then this beautiful marriage is fine and dandy. Mm -hmm. But of course, what marriage can stand up to that? God's way of marriage, of relationships, everything, is not just the right path to follow. It's also the best path for our life. Whether your kids end up being living a life of singleness or whether they get married, if they're following God, looking to glorify Him in whatever that looks like for their future, they will have a more ultimately satisfying life. So Jeremy, what could be some takeaways we take from this? And we're going to talk more about this. This is not just a one-off episode. We're going to be answering more questions. Right. So um, just from kind of the topics we've covered in this episode, uh, the first and maybe most important thing is to make sure that you're adopting a uh, God-honoring perspective on dating as a family, that you're not just saying, hey, here's what's happening in the world, and here's what's happening in the culture around us, and let's just dive into that and see how we navigate that, that you're instead putting this concept in place of here's what dating will look like for our family, and the definition that we're using, the concept of dating, is based on our attempts to honor God with that process. Yeah, so soak soak your mind and your kids' minds in the Word of God and what God's Word says about marriage. Repeat that to them over and over. Make them very familiar. This is God's design for marriage. This is what the purpose of dating is, is for a God-glorifying marriage. So when we see stuff all around us, when we're watching movies, when we're reading books, when we're listening to songs, these are conversations that we should be having in our families, with our children. What is this supposed to look like? What is wrong with this, the way it's portrayed here? Why is this not 
what we would want for our lives. This should be a conversation that's happening even before <clears throat> dating is on the table. Yeah. And that what goes along with it is don't idolize it. So in Christians can easily fall into this trap of, uh, hey, marriage is a gift from God, so we need to be thinking about this all the time. So who who do you think you could see yourself marrying, honey, who's 14 years old and years away from this? Let's talk about this. Let's talk. You can obsess over this way too much, and it can ultimately become an idol unintentionally. Yeah. And then after that, I think we talk about encourage our, our kids not to idolize marriage, not to focus on their marriage, but focus on themselves mm-hmm. as their kids. Hey, I want to be a better person. I want to grow up to be the kind of spouse um, that would honor God and bring him glory. I want to grow up to be the kind of single person that would honor God and bring him glory. What What needs to be different in me as a person. So many times teens will get the question from other teens and from adults, who do you like? Who are you interested in? Who's your boyfriend or girlfriend? And they get that question. So as parents, instead of asking that of our kids, and I'm not saying don't ever have those conversations, but we should have even more conversations about being the right type of spouse. Uh, one day of preparing now of following God, honoring him with our lives, because the way we the way we follow God and his word doesn't just affect us personally, it affects those around us. So your kids obedience of scripture and God's word is going to affect their future husband or wife. And we need our kids to see that. They need to hear that from us more than our asking them about their relationships and their dating relationships. Not just that, more than me talking to my sons about what kind of man is a good husband. I need to be modeling for my sons what kind of man is a good husband. That's good. They need to see this playing out in my life. They need to see um, how I love my wife, how I honor my wife, how I respect my wife even when she's not around. This needs to be something that plays out in front of them constantly. You want to help your kids in dating and in their future marriage, then you model that well for them in day-to-day life. Yeah, and we can talk more about this, but I think what just goes right along with that is be open and honest and vulnerable about what God's shown you. And and obviously we have to handle this with discernment, but if you if it's very obvious to your kid that you didn't do things right, be honest about that and t- teach your kids what you've learned. Like there's things I'm going to come before with my kids in, in telling them, I'm not going to tell my kid I handled God's word perfectly when it came to all of my relationships. I, that, that would be a lie. So we've got to be honest with with that, but also teaching our kids, here's, here's what God has taught me through this, and I want to help you from making some of the mistakes that I've made in my past. You also need to be honest with yourself about what God says about your past. Mm. The hookup culture, the way that we just think as a culture, not biblically, but as a culture that, hey, this is just part of being a teenager in Mm -hmm. America. And most people listening to this podcast, um, most of us fell into that trap as teenagers and young adults too. It was wrong. It was sinful. You need to, you need to make sure you're looking at that from a biblical lens, your own past, so that as you're talking to your kid about mistakes that you've made or, or scars that are left on your life or regrets that you have, that that lines up with scripture. Yeah. That you aren't glorifying your own sinful past 
and then passing on that concept yeah. to your kid. Right. Um, uh, that's a real danger. And I think along that, and we had intended to go down this rabbit trail, but I think some parents may feel like I don't have room to even speak what God's Word says about marriage and dating because I didn't follow this. But God's Word is God's Word. God's Word is still God's Word, whether we have followed it perfectly or not. None of us have followed it perfectly. That doesn't mean we have robbed any opportunity to ever speak the truth of God's Word. It just matters in the way we're speaking it to them. And God is a gracious God, even though we've made mistakes, even though we've failed. That doesn't mean our life is a wreck now. God can redeem that. Yes. And, and that's a picture of God's grace. So those are stories that deserve to be shared yeah. because they glorify God and his forgiveness and his grace and his rescue and his redemption. And of course, we're not saying you need to dredge up your entire past with your 11 year old and tell them everything. But it's also healthy to admit that you didn't handle everything right and that you don't want your kid to go through the same mistakes that you went through and that you want them to do a better job of honoring God uh, in their youth than you did. That's, That's healthy. Good. That's good. And your your kids will appreciate the honesty. But yeah, and this is just kind of sum, summarize all this. So what, what's some, what are some action steps I can take home? Really just have ongoing conversations with your kids about the purpose of dating, about the meaning of marriage. Let that just be part of your conversations at home, around the dinner table, in the car, ongoing. Yeah, your kids should know where your your head is at when it comes to romantic relationships and how to honor God um, in those relationships and in marriage. Your kids should know where your head is at on that, and you should know where your kids' heads are at mm-hmm. on that. These should be ongoing conversations. They're going to look different in your house. God made you different from the next uh, set of parents. God made your kids different. Um, so that means we've got to lean into the Word. We've got to lean into the Spirit, and we've got to be on point and proactive with our parenting. Yeah, and if those conversations are already happening, then when your kid screws up down the, down the line and they are make a big mistake or they're really struggling with something, then you will already have had the the foundation of, hey, we've already had talks about this. Do you remember what we've talked about? Let's talk about this more. It's not some brand new conversation we're having in the middle of a crisis. We already have the foundation of ongoing conversations. Yeah, and really, I mean, at this point, we're just, this is an overarching thing. This should be every area that your kid's going to be coming into or experiencing We are having conversations about these things. This is just part of daily life. We're talking about how God's Word informs all of these areas. Thanks for listening to Beyond a Parent. Remember, parenting is beyond us, but in Christ we have all that we need for this journey. Thanks for listening, guys.